0: On the economy, the sharing economy, economy talk, talk, it podcast. podcast. I'm really excited about this today. Um, I mean, this podcast is going to be particularly interesting. Um, for a start, we have someone that's not from the UK, yes. um, which is super cool. But first of all, uh, welcome, Sarah. Thanks. Lovely to have you. Thanks for
1: having
0: yeah. me. Yeah. So, talk to me briefly. I think it's kind of a quick introduction to the listeners. Uh, who is Sarah? And what is Deemly?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, so a little bit about me. Um, I founded my first company when I was 16. Uh, The next one in my early 20s. And then now Deemly is my third one.
0: Fantastic.
1: Um, The first one didn't really take off, but then, you know, you learn a lot of things and you can use that uh, as you go along. Um, But I have a, a... a background in e business. So I did my master's thesis in, in sort of IT and business, um, right. which has also helped when you start a tech startup, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then I I worked in in London for a couple of years. I was in the US as well. Um, So actually when Airbnb was sort of taking off, I was right in in San Francisco and it was sort of the birth of the sharing economy and that was super interesting to to sort of follow that development. What what was it you were doing? So I did an internship with a company who helped um, uh, connect entrepreneurs there. So basically a social network for for entrepreneurs. Um, Really? Fantastic. So, it was a good way to, to get to know people. Um, so,
0: uh, Deemling. Yes. So, talk to me about Deemling. Yes.
1: So, that sort of came about because I wrote my thesis on the sharing economy. Did uh, you? I didn't
0: know this. Yes. This is so exciting.
1: <laughs> well, that's what I'm, I'm telling you, right? Yeah. Um, no, so, part of that research was interviewing a lot of the CEOs in the sharing economy startups that were coming out, um, and this is two years back. Uh, so, I did that all across Europe, and what sort of... Fascinated me and scared me a little bit was that they all said, um, you know, that their biggest issue is creating this trust between their users. Mm. And at the same time, there were reports coming out from, you know, the US and even in Denmark, where I'm from, um, saying that, you know, half or even 80% of the population worry about taking part in these transactions. Mm. Uh, And a major reason for that is that we don't trust strangers online. Um, So this was sort of the the, the background for okay, we need to solve this, um, and because we have a the founding team have a, a background in both the sharing economy and technology, obviously we looked into what can we do in this space that would help create trust. Um, yeah, so so what we could see was there were these major players like Airbnb and Uber and eBay and Upwork, where people had already built a reputation. So why not allow users to take that across to some of the newer, smaller platforms mm-hmm. and actually create this uh, fluid reputation across platforms?
0: I mean, it is, it's absolutely the question. I think even for, for, for what we're doing at Fat Llama, it's, it's the biggest question. I mean, you know, talking about that, though, so you, what you're really talking about is someone's online Reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, talking on a kind of granular level uh, about what you guys do. So how do you kind of consolidate that reputation? Like how does that actually work? Sure. Right?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I would say that we also look at who you are as a person. So mm-hmm. we do have some ID, social ID verification, mm-hmm. but we sort of take it to the next step and say we also look at how you are as a person based on previous transactions. Um, And so what we do is that uh, there's sort of two ways that a user can create their profile. Uh, One is that they go directly to our site and create a profile, uh, they log in. And we obviously need their login details for each of these platforms, but once we have it and we don't store the password details, uh, but once we have it, we can sort of keep updating if they have new reviews on Airbnb and so on. Mm -hmm. And they can link to their profile in any transaction, any platform where they're active. Um, But we've seen a major interest from uh, the platforms themselves uh, to actually build this in as a feature. so what we do now is that when a user c- comes to, let's say, Fat Llama, uh, create a profile, we have sort of a, an extended flow that they can go through to build their trust profile. Um, so what is that? Let's yeah. talk about that. Because, yeah. I mean,
0: this is, you know, this is like so exciting <laughs> for me. Um, so let's say, let's talk hypothetically yes. about uh, Fat Llama, right? So uh-huh. someone's come, they've logged on. Uh, and yeah. let's say they were using, do need to kind of bolt on to the, how, how would that actually work?
1: Sure. Right? So you would go to, I, d- I don't know your sign up process, but I would assume there is like a uh, put in your name and your email and yep. then you have a user, right? Yep. So what what we do then is that we send them to the next page and this is voluntary if the platform wants it to yep. be. It can also be uh, um, part of the same process. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, then they would say, okay, well, I want to add my all my social media so we can verify and cross check that you're actually the same person across Twitter or LinkedIn, Facebook. And so
0: is this your underlying technology? Yes. Is this so, effective an API that's yeah, then built exactly. on? Yeah, exactly. This is cool.
1: But it looks it, it looks native on your site. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it yeah. only says sort of powered by in and Lyle. Yeah, so fantastic. the user doesn't feel like they're sent to our site or get confused about the sign up flow. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that can be customized. And then um, yeah, so there's sort of the verification step, which is social media. And then the next step would be add your profiles from the platforms where you're active.
0: Yeah. So uh, how, yeah. how does that work then? So is it effectively kinda of like a, a login modal where they would sort of pull in other platforms? Yes. Awesome. And then, yeah. and then they get sort of, in some ways, kind of scored accordingly, the more platforms they connect with.
1: Yeah. So actually, we've, we've sort of taken a stand in terms of the scoring runs from zero to 100, and it's only based on the numerical ratings that you actually have across the platforms. So sometimes you end up with not, uh, not having an actual score if you don't have any ratings on these platforms. Mm-hmm. So then you can just have a verified profile yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah that is so cool yes. that is so cool yes. okay yeah so that's what i was going to ask about so uh-huh. so th- this talk how does that online rating mechanism kind of work then mm-hmm. so do you just kind of allocate points to different logins so a certain social media is a certain amount of points how does that actually work
1: yeah so the social media verifications that you add actually doesn't count into the score so we only use that to cross-check that you are the person you say you are because you you know, And there are other companies sort of in the same space that are saying, they're pulling 10,000s of data sources. But how do I know if you're trustworthy if you have three thousand Facebook friends? You could also have 30 and still be trustworthy. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So we only, we have it, our algorithm is very clean in that way that we only look at the numerical ratings that you have from these uh, platforms. Interesting. And then we also pull the written reviews, which is a part of it.
0: So one of the things that I think think is super cool and really want to talk about is ultimately one day there is going to be this like super consolidation of like online reviews yeah. which is already happening right yes. you get a bad review on ebay you guys are making sure that that person will then have a bad review on airbnb and so on it's, it's really about data and reputation yeah. the big question is though like who owns that reputation i mean where do you think that will go
1: mm. yeah i mean that's something that ultimately i would like it the users to own their reputation mm. right so it's about democratizing that data for the users yeah um and you know what's really scary is that the the chinese government is making this sesame score which is essentially a little bit what we're doing but you know just to the extreme yeah, where yeah. they're saying if you have a bad reputation you we take away your internet and you're not allowed to fly and things like this wow so is it better that a government does it or is mm. it better that a private company does yeah,
0: yeah, it yeah powered by people right yeah yeah, yeah awesome so,
1: and that's, you know, It about- is so
0: scary. It's so scary. It's so scary because I think, like, we've even noticed this already, right? Um, I know we touched on it earlier, but, like, we've got some users that are making thousands a month. When yeah. I say thousands, like, we've got a couple of users that are making like 1,500 quid a month. Um, it's effectively become their livelihood in some ways. Yeah. And one bad review, that could go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I think is difficult is- there needs to be kind of that combination between both the centralized Deemly, yeah. uh, a mediator, mm-hmm. um, as well as powered by users, because, you know, someone comes to the to the platform once on any of the guys that you've partnered with yeah. and they're a borrower or they're staying in someone's house or whatever it is, and they're actually a bad borrower. They put a bad review for someone that's been on the platform every week for yeah. two or three years. Yeah. And and it affects them. They don't care. They've gone right. So there needs to be some sort of. How do you like see that going? And how do you? Oops. How do you combat that?
1: Um, well, I think the essence here is also that when you start on a platform, you, you don't have a reputation. Mm. And it's very strong to be able to pull it from from other That's platforms right That's so this cold start problem as it's called mm. uh, you can go in and, and work on that um but obviously if you have a bad review and it's if it's unfair then it's up to the the platform as we see it to mm. to go into that specific case um and you know we we sort of have a very public algorithm in terms of of how we calculate a score so it's fair for everyone we don't tweak it in terms of Okay, if you have a view on Fat Llama, you, you would get an extra high score. I'm yeah, saying. yeah, of course,
0: of course. Yeah, so
1: we try to be very transparent and, and, you know, working with trust, we want to be a trustful company yeah, as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Okay, so let's kind of move into more, sort of, as I said, like a, like a holistic view. Yes. Right? So obviously, uh, you know, very much encouraged by Deemly and, and other platforms. How do you think both peer-to-peer transactions and ultimately the sharing economy will therefore evolve?
1: All the statistics are saying that it's going to grow. And I think that's true uh, for a number of reasons. One major factor is that the the generation that, that we belong to is such a natural thing for us. Yeah, yeah. We live online. Um, you know, there's no prestige in in sort of owning things. We, we're happy to share our things. Mm. Uh, we'd rather spend our money traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are major barriers. I mean, we work with just a small part of it, which is trust, right? But there's also so many... Legal issues. I mean, every platform that we talk to have this very specific niche ruling that makes it impossible for them to actually yeah, yeah. Um, yeah grow and and live up. It,
0: it's very difficult, and also because I actually think that from a legal perspective, certainly in the UK things aren't up to date right so but, like yeah. where are the legals around what we're doing it's so gray and then, yeah. so in some respects when you start to think about insurance and yeah. other aspects payment providers yeah. and so yeah. on it becomes super complicated right
1: but but even i mean the uk is probably one of the the best countries in the eu on this mm. topic at least they've they've gone out and said okay we want to embrace the sharing economy yeah, i, I mean if you look at what's going on in denmark and germany and all the other countries there's so many challenges mm. in terms of it um, yeah, yeah. And i agree a, a and
0: Yeah, I mean, hats off to the UK for for kicking off. I think it's fantastic. I mean, let's talk about as well. Um, I know that you guys have partnered with Inclusive. Mm -hmm. So for those of our listeners that haven't heard of Inclusive, so Mm -hmm. Inclusive are very much uh, an Airbnb-style platform. But they're inclusive right so what they do is very much embrace anyone from any sort of background mm-hmm. and, and that comes with a certain amount of you know the fact that users are somewhat anonymous to yeah. start with and, and they make their decisions based off of data and actual reviews rather yeah. than what someone looks like or their background yeah. and so on. Uh, what does your partnership with them look like then?
1: Sure so it's um, it's sort of a growing partnership. Um, I connected with, uh, with Kevin Uh, sometime last year just before they actually launched their beta Um, and they also one of the reasons they launched was the whole debate on on airbnb and this discrimination case Um, Mm. i don't know if you you talked about that before Um, and so we actually reconnected back in in january this year because there was a new study coming out uh, talking about how reviews can actually help eliminate this bias Mm. and naturally that's really interesting for us because Essentially, we would be able to provide platforms with an anonymous profile where only reviews and ratings would yep. be visible, right? Which is how
0: it should be. Yeah.
1: Exactly. For at least for for you know guys like inclusive. Um, so it just made so much sense that we we talked together and tried to develop something here. And yeah. Especially now, you know, with Trump and everything, there's so much up on this topic and it's it's it's, really sad so I think it was important for us to sort of come out now and say we want to change some things yeah
0: fantastic so where are you at in terms of that change then so uh, you're not HQ'd in, in the UK, are you? No. Okay, so whereabouts are you currently sort of centralized and what are your plans for growth?
1: Sure. Uh, so we're based in Copenhagen, Denmark.
0: Fantastic. Uh,
1: yes, uh, it's a lovely city. Um, but what we've experienced, um, so even before we actually had a product, we we had a lot of platforms contact us wanting to buy this product. So we were like, oh, okay, then we actually have to build it now. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, so we have, uh, right now, we, we have sort of in the pipeline around 100 platforms from all around the world. Um, so that's from San Francisco to Shanghai. Um, most in the in the EU or Europe, at least. Uh, and so, yeah, we're looking at now where does it make sense to go. And obviously, the UK is very open to the sharing economy, Absolutely. and there's a lot of interesting startups here. So. I think uh, London is definitely a place we wanna focus more on. Fantastic. Um, How how does that
0: actually work? So I kind of, uh, both from a, well, actually, let's talk from a platform perspective. I know that we have a lot of Share Economy listeners. We also have a lot of people that are kind of in that process of thinking about jumping from maybe a corporate job into a marketplace startup. Mm What does your onboarding process look like? So uh-huh. let's say we approached you and we yes. said, look, we need this, right? This is super yes. cool. Yeah. Uh, what does the process look like from then until when things kick off?
1: Sure. Um, so it's actually a very simple integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest hurdle, which is not really a hurdle, but it's uh, on the UX side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you want it to look? And mm-hmm. we have some standard uh, JavaScript widgets that you can install mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, if you want it more customized, obviously that takes a bit longer. But um, yeah, you just, you know, get in touch with us. Uh, you'll probably get a demo from me if you want to. And then um, we can be up and running within a couple of days if you
0: if you. Fantastic. Yeah. So really it's a case of uh, platforms can ultimately build the front end and then bolt your API on behind yeah, it. Yeah. Awesome. And
1: we have the whole rating and review functionality as well. So if they want to keep native ratings in their platform and they haven't built that functionality, mm-hmm. then, you know, we supply that as well.
0: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought it'd be quite nice to kind of finish off with uh, certainly Tim, our
1: uh,
0: <laughs> super genius content and PR chap, uh, really looked at this kind of the world economic Forum. obviously put out this thing where they were kind of saying that by 2030, people won't own anything anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, what are your views on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's... Um, is I it a,
0: is, sorry to interrupt. I mean, yeah. is it a generational thing? Do you, do you think yeah
1: yeah i think coming back to the point before as well it is definitely a generation thing and i love that they've gone out and said this because it sort of pushes the agenda for um politicians everywhere mm-hmm. and also companies right because we yeah. see more and more established companies looking into the sharing economy or circular economy mm-hmm. and wanting to optimize so i think this is definitely something that we'll see um as our generation and, and
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, we've kind of, I suppose, experienced saying a lot of our users are kind of.